The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Good, y'all. Welcome to In the Deep, a deep league-focused fantasy baseball podcast, part of the Pitcherless Podcast Network. My name is Jordan White, and I'm joined here once again by my good friend and co-host and fellow bad boy, Christopher Schwebzy Weber. Schwebzy, how you doing, buddy? Hi, friends. I am good. And uh, we, we've been granted the title of bad boys. Uh, we, we've been designated the, the bad boy black sheep of pitcher list by none other than Ellen Adair, who we were just talking to the other day. And we, so we were, we were granted that title. And I, I, is, is that like, is that like a Lordship or something over our Island? Because we were also, we were, our, our Island was also named Yes, I well, I named our island, which uh, I think is very apt considering what our podcast is, because we tried to take all of the, you know, the players that no one else wants, that no one else really cares about, the forgotten ones, our island of misfit boys is what it is called. Um, yeah, I, it, it is our domain and we we lord over it, I think, in a certain sense. But yes, we are the bad boys, the black sheep of this here podcast network. And it was a it was an honor uh, to have Ellen, our most distinguished guest ever on the podcast. Sorry to Yancey Eaton uh, about that, although he would probably agree. To be fair, uh, but yeah, we 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 literally we 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 talked much about it in the episode with Yancey, his uh, his his standing in that competition. But uh, my my favorite thing about Ellen, I think, is is her incredible quotability because every conversation we have with her i'm left going like yeah that's going on the biography yeah that's going on the gravestone although that one's a little bit more morbid yeah i mean like we we have so many quotables for our book jacket whenever we do have like a biography written about us from ellen i think if there's going to be a review written about our lives slash the book written about our lives we're going to want ellen to contribute and have that be just like the featured thing on the back next to our beautiful. I mean, I'm assuming it's going to be, she said there was going to be a photo shoot because uh, we're going to have to get our photos taken for this book as well. And naturally we will both be wearing jorts. Of course. Which is something that we spoke about at length as well. Cause that Poss- is possibly the same pair. Oh, I didn't even at the same time. Tandem jorts. <laughs> that's that's, that is the alternate title Wait, for this episode so is tandem jorts. Who, who would write your, your uh, 
baseball adjacent biography because oh it'll buy uh yeah it would be a biography because i think i want bob nightingale to write mine because <laughs> none of it would be accurate and i believe it would be significantly more fantastical if uh if bob nightingale got to write it mm-hmm. that's actually a really good question i think i think nightingale is a really good choice for for that reason i think just uh if you just want an inverse biography written just pure pure fiction yes uh Hmm. We do like a fantasy book here between you and I. So, I mean, I guess that is one thing that would be really good is, I mean, Bob Nightingale in his own way is a fantasy author. (laughs) (laughs) Bob Nightingale is my favorite fantasy author. Um, Gosh, that's a really good question. I didn't think about that. I think um, I feel like I would probably just have George R.R. Martin write mine just so I could have uh, the last Game of Thrones book delayed even further just just to just to really get on people's nerves. I want George R. R. Martin to do it because I never want my book released. Exactly. Uh, but yeah. Well, actually, I mean, since it's not Winds of Winter, he probably would that's get what it I mean. done. He would, he's like, he yeah, will take literally any side project that he can get to make sure he does not finish that book series, which is kind of fine with me, honestly. Drop the book, George. Take your time. Do whatever you want, George. You're doing great things. <laughs> doing great, sweetie. <laughs> But yeah, so uh, we, we're recording at like 1.17 a.m. We're supposed to have released and- this episode already. <laughs> But we just did. We, we did. We we haven't yet because we got distracted. Uh, Schwabzi, what were we doing before we but, hopped on to record this? But we we have a weekly conversation, and the the content is always the same. It's like we're this week. We're gonna prepare ahead of time. We're gonna we're gonna get our notes down during the day. We're gonna record at a reasonable hour. We're gonna let Jordan get his beauty rest. I I don't need it because it's hopeless. Um, but what we did. Uh, instead, we hopped into Plaid, which is a pitcher list after it's dark in the pitcher list Discord server, uh, and and we were in there from I want to say about eight p.m. to one a.m. Yes, correct. That, that that is accurate. And you know, it's it's March fifth. It's not a it's not a big baseball. Well, under normal circumstances, this might be a big baseball day because it should be the start of spring training. But you know, as you guys know, baseball is currently uh, in, in a you know, not a great state. That doesn't. It, it. It has ceased to be. It is no more. It has joined the choir of the. Uh, oh God, what is that line? It's such a good line. I don't know. The choir of the damned. It's join, join the choir eternal. Um. Yeah. So, uh. But plaid was a uh, plaid was popping tonight. I mean, and we did start. The, we did start the party ourselves. We did. We started the party. Uh. And uh, we ended the party too. We, we, we were there for the duration, and we were in there for about five hours talking uh, with, you know, uh, for, former pitcher lister and current uh, Prospects Live member uh, Trevor Huth talking prospects. Yes. We were in there with uh, Ben Brown, Nick Pollock, a couple PL Plus members. Uh, yeah, just having a, a, a grand old time, uh, an unexpected grand old time, yes. given uh, the, the date and the state of the sport. Yeah. Uh with everything that's going on, it's a weird time for us specifically as content creators. I feel really weird using that phrase and saying that out loud. That's so awkward. Don't say that. Um, For folks like us who like to talk about baseball in microphones to each other. um, It's a weird time for us because there isn't really any certainty as to when the baseball season is going to start. Uh, There's only so much that we can kind of cover when there's not really much news aside from the occasional small little trickle of collective bargaining talks so uh kind of the reason that we're talking about pitcherless plus and like hanging out with people in plaid is that if you can support 
pitcher list or like honestly any other of like these independent outlets that are doing baseball content like please do it uh join us in plaid join us in pl plus uh join any of the folks at any of the great sites that are out there that you really really enjoy support them and try to make sure that we're still around uh for as long as possible uh through this lockout um one because we would love to have you hang out with us too because we want to make sure that we're here once this lockout ends and providing all the content that you really really enjoy so we would appreciate it speaking of that content one of the things uh nick is doing to ease the suffering of this state of baseball is every single day he is writing a going deep article which is you know a a deeper than surface examination of a player he's doing a going deep article on a new pitcher every single day until baseball starts back up the man the man literally cannot stop he cannot be stopped should 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 get that looked at but um For us, it's great content. It is because he so far he's talked about Casey Mize. Tomorrow he is going to talk about Michael Kopech. Oh, I'm Kopech, yes, yes, who I know is a favorite of yours. Love uh, I was very bummed out to not get him in TGFBI, but same. You know, this is invaluable stuff for deep league people because these are these are the guys that you're going to be looking at. You know, he he's not going to examine Jacob Degrom because we already know what's going on with Jacob Degrom. So yeah, keep keep an eye out for that every every day. Instead of a starting pitcher roundup, you're going to see a going deep article on a new starting pitcher. I am going to do my best to get Tyler McGill in there. Well, we'll we'll see if I can make that happen since it's actually up to a vote from the uh, pitcher list plus members. Yeah, so if you want to vote on what articles Nick's going to write, that's another good reason to join PL Plus and join us in the Discord. So definitely do that. Um, I think he is generally just taking requests each day for those, right? Like so far it's yep. it's just been polls uh in the general baseball channel. So yeah, hop in there if you haven't yet, uh and join us and hang out and get Nick to write about a pitcher that maybe he doesn't want to write about. I kind of want to try to push him to write about Alex Wood personally. I I was literally just thinking that. Yeah. I think we should try to lobby for that tomorrow. I I was abso- I like and I need to nudge him to try to do Patrick Sandoval who actually lost the vote today to both uh yeah, it was it was Kopech, Sandoval, and one other that I'm forgetting. I cannot remember the but, other one either. It was pretty, I but, mean, they, they were a non-factor in the voting today, yeah. so. Sandoval was sadly very far behind. Uh, but uh, one thing that I, I want to bring to your attention, uh, you being Jordan, oh, me. not the oh, audience. Oh, I thought you were talking yes, to our you. lovely audience. No, no, because uh, I forgot to mention this in our uh, prep. We, we, need, uh, we need bold takes for corner infielders. Oh gosh, I didn't even so, think about this. Keep, keep, you know, keep keep that keep that in your mind as we go mm. through this episode. I've got one. I don't, I've I don't, got one. I I think I might have one. I've got one. I think I've got one. But if you if you let let drop it if you got it. Let's go. Well, I mean, I'm going to talk about the person later, but I think that okay. I I, I actually I'm going to save mine for when I'm talking about them because I think I'll use it as like the cap to my to my uh little, yeah, little and- deep dive on them. And we have to see if we can come up with any board bets as we go along, too. True. This is true. Um, I think, man, I'm trying to think if there's any other ones that I want to do besides the one I want to do for, I'm, I'm going to talk, I'm just going to spoil it now. I'm going to talk about Lamont Wade Jr. later. Well, oh, wow. Big surprise. Whoa. Jordan, Whoa. Jordan, Jordan likes Lamont Wade Jr. Who would have thunk it? Uh, yeah, I, I have something that I do want to say about him, a prediction for him, a bold, a bold take, but I don't know if there's anyone else. Okay, actually, I will actually do a bold prediction about 
one of my other players as well. Yes. But uh, I kind of want to save that, too. Can we just pepper him throughout the episode? Is that a thing? Yeah, sure. Okay, cool. Do you have any that you want to do now, or do you want to save yours, too? I'll, I'll, I'll match you. Oh, you know, whatever, whenever, when you're ready to drop it, I'll drop it. Cool. Okay. Uh, well, before we get into our deep dives that we're going to go into tonight, real quick, if you like the show, be sure to subscribe, like it, and leave a review on your podcast platform of choice. We would appreciate it. It helps us out a lot and gets our kind of expands our reach, gets us into more people's feeds, which would be fantastic, obviously. Um, you can get us on any of the most popular podcast platforms, Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, so on and so forth. And then if you also enjoy the content here, you can follow us on Twitter. We have a page for our show, which is in the deep PL. You can also follow us individually at Bunt Singles for myself and at Schwebzi. That's S-H-W-E-B-S-I for Mr. Schwebzi over there. Uh, and with that, let's dive into our deep dives here. That, that was the longest intro in history. It really was. I mean... <laughs> that was honestly that's great i mean we, it's funny that we are up later recording this than we ever have been and we decided to take almost 15 minutes on an intro let, let let us let us meander this is the time this is the time to meander we've done it uh okay we took the scenic route but let's kick it off with i mean big shocker we're going to talk about some san francisco giants schwebzy talk to me about one darren ruff yeah, we're gonna we're gonna start with uh, twin giants, and uh, we are not talking about Robin and Brooke Lopez no, no, no. or uh, Markeith and Marcus Morris. Do it, are there any other giant twins in the NBA? I can't think of any. Uh, but no. anyway, I I digress. Uh, let's not start this. <laughs> we I I am going to uh, match Jordan's giant, and t- I'm going to talk about Darren Ruff. Uh, I am very in on Darren Ruff this year. He's currently has an ADP of. 422 and uh i'm going to say a lot of nice things about rough right now i am going to sing his praises so you could call this my my uh rough rider anthem and yes i'm very very aware uh, of how badly i'm dating myself yes hello with that reference hello fellow old <laughs> <laughs> uh there's there's a lot to like about rough there we're, we are uh we <laughs> <laughs> Mm. sorry i just had you're, a drink of my hot chocolate you're an absolute monster you're welcome uh we we are staring back now at two straight years of elite production in a limited uh, limited plate appearances he's got multi-position eligibility now with first base and outfield he's coming off a career high hard hit rate career best sweet spot rate and career best exit velos uh, and the fact that he plays for the Devil Magic San Francisco Giants, who happen to play in the NL, where, guess what? There's going to be a DH this year. Bingo. That helps, too. There's a couple of things not to like. I'll, I'll get to that later. I do want to temper expectations a little bit at the end. But if you look at Ruff's rolling Woba chart, which is his actual production since the start of the year two, uh, 2020, I put zero zero here, like he's been doing this for 22 years. <laughs> but uh his woba over the last two years basically never dips below league average it's absurd how consistently good he's been Mm -hmm. considering where he was prior to 2020 i don't even mean skills wise i mean like geographically because he was playing in korea two years ago three years ago and now he's one of the best hitters on one of the best teams in baseball it's like that doesn't happen like 
the the closest comp I can think of is like Eric Timms and like what what is he doing now? He's playing like, he, he 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 signed with uh, Oakland. He did. And that's what his third team in in the last 3 or 4 years and well, he, underwhelming production since his initial burst onto the scene. Well, he went back uh to Korea to play, I believe, for a year, maybe two cuz he was with the Brewers. He had a good he had a good tenure with the Brewers. Um Yeah, uh, uh, no, but the point is like it it waned. Yes. Uh r- what Ruff is doing is incredibly uncommon. And, you know, in 2020, it was like 120 plate appearances. It was kind of a novelty. In 2021, I think a lot of people were waiting for the other shoe to drop. But now we've seen about 400 plate appearances of this sort of production. It's time to act accordingly. Take advantage of the value that he's going to provide being drafted after 422. And and unfortunately, people have, well, unfortunately for us, people have finally realized how good Brandon Belt has become. And I need a new giant to champion uh, in the 400s and that is going to be rough now to pour some water on this there's a definite chance for a bust here he's on the older side he's he's uh 36 i want to say I, I should have this in front of me great professional here uh <laughs> he's historically been a platoon bat and but the flip side of that is in 2021 he hit righties really well he struck out a lot more, but he still put up like a 125 WRC plus against righties. That's perfectly fine. That's that's better than fine. That's good. So you have to worry about the playing time a little bit in spite of the DH because he is a San Francisco giant. This is a team that platoons a ton. So even if he doesn't necessarily deserve it, they might just have someone who absolutely, you know, murderizes righties to play instead of him. You know, like Austin Slater comes to mind. I'm pretty sure he's a is he a righty? Mm, I think so. I, I, I think, think he is. I, think, uh, I can't remember exactly. I, I think he's the other half to the Stephen Duggar. Ah, uh, uh, yes. Okay, but I, I could I could be misremembering handedness there. But uh, Ruff might be a player that you have to manage a little more than others because you know, again, the San Francisco Giants are going to do San Francisco Giant things. But if you do have him in your lineup when he plays. The bat plays. Yeah, he's he's real good. Yeah, the, the the man just the man just hits the last couple of years. I think that's kind of the disclaimer, like you just kind of touched on a little bit ago with most of the San Francisco Giants players, is that they're going to play the platoon splits a ton, and I think they're going to be inherently because of that more valuable in daily leagues. Or if you're going to play them in weekly yes. leagues, you need to be very aware of the upcoming pitching matchups and what they're projected to be because you're going to want to take advantage of those when you can like in something like NFBC where you can set offensive lineups twice a week the pain is a little bit curbed I would say um cuz you can switch them halfway through the week but if you're in a true weekly league you really really have to try to pay attention to those projected pitching matchups and plan accordingly if you have them on your roster and then, that's the thing if you can pay close enough attention and micromanager roster like that they're still going to be really really valuable and i think like to go like i i, I agree with everything that schwebzy said about darren ruff i think he's fantastic i think the fact that there's a dh now in the nl most likely it, it's it's only going to improve his stock uh i would be surprised i mean if he performs well this year i, I would be surprised to see him still at that 420 420, 422 uh adp 
Um, I'm actually surprised that he's down that low right now. So yeah, I'm I'm hoping for 450 to 500 uh, plate appearances this year. I don't know if he gets that much. Maybe I think north of 400. It's kind yeah, of I'm, I'm hoping for that. Yeah. that. That may be optimistic. Yeah, wishful thinking maybe, but I mean, it would be fantastic if he did. I would love to see that too. Um, yeah, super and unrough too at his price. It is a fantastic deal. Um, while we're on the subject of Giants, I'm going to take some time to continue gushing about Lamont Wade Jr. Because he was just like a, such, he was such a pleasant surprise last year, right? Uh, Giants fans were enamored with him. Uh, after he earned his moniker of late night Lamont by hitting in very, very clutch situations frequently when he was at the plate, he didn't get as many plate appearances as actually I remember him. I feel I, for some reason I thought he had more playing time and more plate appearances last year than he actually did. Um, but when he did have plate appearances, he took them, uh, took advantage of them the most. So, um, I'm shocked that he's still going past pick 300 after all the hype I put into him last year. Uh, because obviously single handedly raising that ADP. Yeah, I was going to say, uh, I, I am, yeah, holding him up like Atlas on my back. Uh, but I guess I just have to keep going until he, uh, eclipses that 300 mark. So I can't talk about him anymore. Um, again, kind of the same thing with rough and just like with most of the San Francisco giants hitters, there's always the chance that he's going to get platooned occasionally. So he's a better bet in daily leagues and weekly, just like I said, with rough. Um, that said, he's going to be really, really useful and provide value if you pay attention to your upcoming pitching matchups. So the positives with him that I really wanted to hit on are that he is currently slotted in, according to roster resource, as the cleanup hitter for the Giants, and they don't show him as being in a platoon. So I feel like he is going to get the lion's share of the plate appearances in that four spot. And also, a lot of the projections bear this out as well. So that's really, really encouraging. So other stuff that's really encouraging, he's put up a career-high barrel rate, a career-high max exit velo, and career-high hard hit numbers in 2021. Everything in that area looks fantastic. He's getting as much out of his frame as he can. Uh, along with that, he stole a career-high six bases, which I know that does not sound like a lot, but anyone who can chip in like five to ten stolen bases is super-duper valuable post-pick 300. And if they can pair that with a little bit of power and like a decent average that isn't going to hurt you too much that's always really really encouraging um along with that he was kind of well at least closer to more valuable in obp leagues because he was able to put up an 8.7 percent walk rate as well so he was getting on base a ton too which is fantastic uh i think the cherry on top which i kind of touched on when i started talking about him is that he had a 364 average with runners on base and having that sort of clutch performance when you're going to be hitting in the four hole, hopefully with a lot of people on base in front of you, uh, is really, really encouraging. So I think the combination of his spot in the lineup, the increased aggression against pitches in the zone, and all of the quality of contact, exit velo, and launch angle positivity that he has in his profile, I think he's poised to have a really, really solid year. He's going to well outperform his 380p. I think that the ceiling might be hard to reach, and this is where my bold prediction is going to come in. I think that he is going to have a 2010 season. 20 diggers, 10 steals. Yes. He's not that fast, really, but I it, do... Right, it's the steals yeah. that are bold there. Yeah. But I mean, he had six in limited, semi-limited uh, time last year, and I think that he's very intelligent and picks his spots well on the base paths. And I think, again, like that ceiling is kind of where he would be at is around 20 and 10. So I do think that he can put up a 2010 season. 
So he he has stolen as many as 12 stolen bases uh, in a minor league season. Yes. That was way back in rookie ball, but uh, he stole 10 in 2018 across a couple levels. So, yeah, I it, it's within the realm of possibilities. Is it not bold enough now, I'm thinking? Hmm. 30-30. Absolutely not. Do it, coward. 25 and 10. We'll say that instead. How about that? <laughs> okay, yeah, no, that's... I mean, really, if you, if you just project his 2021 out further that's that gets you close to the 25 and 10 so i don't know if you're really being bold jordan you know what fine 25 15 that's bold there we go okay we'll do that 25 and 15 for lamont Lamont wayne jr yeah calling it felt a tingle on that one that's bold you're welcome i'm glad that i can give you a tingle schwipsy you know a, a fun thing uh which i'm i'm realizing looking at their lineup now is that Ruff and Lamont Wade are kind of like like mutually benefiting each other because the reason there's no additional righty on the bench to take plate appearances from Lamont Wade Jr. is because, you know, Darren Ruff is in the lineup at DH instead of, yep. you know, on the bench waiting to play left field. Yeah. So they, these guys might just be helping each other out. And, and we, you know, we love when teammates help each other. We do. We really do. And, and make us look good. Yes, like we make each other look good, Schwabzi. Uh, I mean, it's mostly it, it's mostly uh, just you looking good in comparison to me. But that's you know, shut up. It's you, neither here nor there. You got the eyes of an angel. That's enough. Stop it. And on that, yeah, you have the voice of an angel. We we both have nice voices. And we this do. is this is and this is an audio medium. So you know, this is true. I mean, there is a reason we. Are, <laughs> there, I mean, like we we've got we we look good in podcast terms don't 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 try to like self have it self-deprecate off with me because i will win i will put you in the ground in a self-deprecate <laughs> off uh, sh- uh before shrubsy buries me let's take a quick break to uh, listen to our <laughs> sponsors hey alex fast here and thanks for listening to this podcast on the pitcher list podcast network if you're a fan consider supporting all of us by getting a PL plus subscription where you're going to get an ad free website and get access to our discord where you can talk to all of our podcast hosts and staff plus you can hang out with our incredible pitcher list community it's basically a baseball sanctuary year-round for as low as eight dollars a month you can sign up at pitcherlist.com backslash plus and you're going to get your first month free with promo code podcast also don't forget to check out everything else we do as well from youtube videos live streams newsletters off-season articles tiktoks breakdowns over 15 baseball podcasts on our network we can't stop talking about baseball even during the off-season so sign up for pl plus today at pitcherlist.com backslash plus and use promo code podcast to get your first month free all right thanks for listening let's get back to the show all right, and we're back. Now that I'm done threatening my co-host. Yeah, now that he's done threatening me, uh, let's get back to our deep dives here. So we just got done talking about Lamont Wee Jr. Let's talk about now. Shrubsy was nice enough to pick a brewer to talk about here for our corner infield preview. Uh, Shrubsy, you picked Rowdy Telez. Only three spots difference in ADP from Lamont Wee Jr. So why do you like Telez so much? I can't say anything. <laughs> words, words are hard. Words are, it's fine. words are difficult. This is a podcast. So before I get into Rowdy, I do want to bookend the ad with my bold prediction for a corner infielder. Now, this is not a deep league player. This is just a, a bold prediction of mine. And this is a player that I drafted a couple days ago in TGFBI. This is someone that I cannot quit 
Cabrian Hayes. Oh. I, and I'm upset because my prediction was going to be that Cabrian Hayes would go 25 and 15, and that's literally what you just said about Lamont Wade. Oh. So I'll take it one step further and say that we're going to get a 25 and 15 plus a 280 plus batting average out of Cabrian Hayes. 25 and 15 plus 280 average. Okay. I think the boldest part about that, I, I'm i bad at bold predictions because I don't like being wrong, so I like to still keep it within the <laughs> realm of uh, realism. Uh, and I, I think that the reason that that comes across as even a little bit bold, which maybe it doesn't, is the home runs because uh, he displayed a complete power outage last year, uh, Yelich-esque. And, easy, uh, <laughs> easy. Sorry, I'm fighting to. words. I've taken okay. Uh, I've but, taken enough abuse from you and Trevor Huth tonight. Literally, all it was, folks, for like a good 45 minutes. Every two to three minutes, it felt like there was a jab at Christian Yelich, which very clearly was pointed at me. <laughs> it's like if you're if you're in a group chat, you know that there are days where it's just not your day, and everyone's going after you. Today was that day with Jordan and Christian Yelich. Miserable. What a miserable day this was. Ugh. Anyway, sorry. Continue. But, uh, yeah, Cabrian Hayes dealt with hand injuries. I believe he has passed them, and I am hoping for a return to the uh, the more more frequently hard hit balls of his 2020. So you know, fingers crossed on that, both for my TGFBI team and uh, you know the the all the Cabrian Hayes rookie cards that I possess. True. Uh, so, so qu- sorry, Shrubsy. <laughs> quick question. So, uh, Brian Hayes was having a lot of wrist issues. Are you having any wrist issues? Wait, why would I be having wrist issues? Is this a bit from I don't stabbing know. me I in lost. the back earlier tonight? <laughs> yeah, that's what I thought. Anyways, continue. Sorry, I had to get that in. I'm just, I'm just going to redeem myself here by saying that. Uh, how, how's that Lamont Wade Jr. rookie card that I sent you doing? It's good. <laughs> Uh, all right, so Rowdy Tellez, now that we are back, that, that's funny because of what I'm about to say here. Well, we have a few rules on this podcast that we always adhere to. If there's a tangent, we go on it. We always record after Jordan's bedtime. Truth. And if we have an, and if we have an opportunity to talk about Rowdy Tellez, I will talk about Rowdy Tellez. So uh, now that we're done with that tangent, let's talk about Rowdy Tellez. I spoke a bit about Tellez at PitchCon. Uh, I, I did a panel with Jeff Erickson and Mike Gianella. Let me pick up those names. Uh, shameless plug, uh, all of the panels and presentations that we did at PitchCon are available on the PitcherList YouTube channel. And there are many, many videos worth watching from many fantasy experts that you have heard of. Uh, I'd strongly recommend watching that the, the video that I did with Jeff and Mike, not just because I'm in it and I love the sound of my own voice, but because it's all about deep league favorites, and uh, that's kind of what we're we're here for. But uh, the the gist of my spiel about Rowdy over there was that obviously I'm a big fan, but not really a big fan in the way that I expected to be when I started when I chose Rowdy and started uh, researching. I'm way more enamored with his bat to ball skills than I was prior to looking into him. I kind of thought I was looking at more of a boomer bust player. I was not really aware of just how much uh, the potential there is for like a, a net positive like batting average. Like there's there's a you know a two seventy five bat there if things break right uh, with power, and 
I think what we saw last year was a, a combination of him getting unlucky and uh, just uh, I, I don't think that 10 home runs that he put up last year was really reflective of the punishment that he put on the baseball. He, uh, he had 27 barrels and only 10 home runs last year. That's like for, for someone who has the kind of exit velos that he has, the top end power that he has, that is abnormal. Like other guys that put up roughly 27 barrels and roughly 10 home runs are like Gene Segura, like Akil Badu, um, who else is here? Michael Brantley, not power hitters. These aren't guys that are putting charges into the ball regularly. Like guys with Rowdy Tellez's power that are around those numbers, um, you're looking at like, let's see, uh, Darren Ruff is around here. Lamont Wade Jr. is around hey. here. He put up 16, 27 barrels, 16 home runs. Same thing for Darren Ruff. 25 barrels, 16 home runs. Uh, you know, Yasmani Grandal had 27 barrels, 20 home runs. Guys with Rowdy's power and launch angle usually don't suffer in the home run department when they barrel the ball up a ton. I don't... I, I, I do think there is home run upside to discover here with Rowdy. And... If he taps into that, you're looking at a, a major breakout season. It doesn't feel like Rowdy Telez is 26, but he's like he's still on the young side. You know, he's yeah. he's uh we're, we're, he I, I feel like because of like his uh him being a bat first first baseman and kind of on the uh the barrel man side of body types, uh, it's it's easy to forget how young he is. But you know, he's just entering his prime. Like there, I, I think there could be a big breakout here. Um, I've, I've had people asking me to, uh, to trade for him in some of my dynasty leagues. Cause I, I, he's a popular sleeper right now. And, uh, you know, just to speak a little bit more to that home run upside, he was, I believe it was three home runs below his expected home run rate. Yeah. And, uh, I know I, I've, I've definitely said mean things about expected home runs before, but that's usually, uh, talking about Colorado specifically. And, uh, just generally the high elevation ballparks, which doesn't really apply too much to, uh, to Milwaukee. Yeah. Uh, I think one of the coolest things about Rowdy is that, I mean, I think we saw this with Willie Adamas too last year coming to Milwaukee, um, perform much better at getting out of the trap, obviously. Uh, after Rowdy Telez came to Milwaukee, he had a 272 average and only struck out 18.4% of the time. He puts the ball in play a ton. He hits the ball really freaking hard. And he walks like at a decent rate. Like he walked at an 8% rate after he came to Milwaukee. Like there's so many signs that point to him being like a really productive member of that offense. And it makes me really excited as like not even just being a homer, but just as a baseball fan in general, I feel like the Brewers are putting something really, really nice together, like sneaky good value together uh, with all these trades that they made last year. Um, and I think Rowdy's a big part fantastic. of it. What a fantastic pair of moves those were. Yeah, very excited. So, uh, I mean... I'm definitely buying in on Rowdy at his current price too. I think that he's fa- a fantastic pickup there. Um, would, would you trade Brett Beatty for him? No. I, I've been trying to get Brett Beatty from uh, Jordan in the dynasty league that we are in together for for a little bit now. You also tried to trade for Alex Wood under, under my nose, even though you know I love Alex Wood. I, I have to return to those trade talks. I got I got to dangle dangle Alex Wood in these Brett Beatty uh, d- discussions. Absolutely messed up. I hate this. 
<laughs> Anyways. Uh, yeah. Anything else on Telez? Any, anything you want to cap it off with? Uh, I mean, it, it feels like such a natural match because it, we, we've, we've discussed this before. There must always be a barrel man. That's true. And now that Vogelbach is gone, it's, it's Rowdy's turn. I do hope that Vogelbach finds a home. I'm, I'm wondering if the Brewers will bring him back in some capacity or not. I just don't know if there's yeah, a spot it, for it, him. It, it would be cool if they brought him Vogelbach. A nice. Very nice, Schwebzy. All right. Um, gosh. Okay. I'm going to be completely upfront. I'm not that excited to talk about these next two people. I actually chose because I didn't want to do like a. You're a monster. Another deep dive. Oh, I did. I did mostly choose one of these people just to upset Schwebzy, but also to kind of highlight the fact that like, yes, we've taken some victory laps. Like we really love Lamont Wade Jr. And he was fantastic last year. We love Darren Ruff. He was fantastic last year. We talked about these folks a ton on our podcast throughout the season, but there's times that we're wrong. Uh, but does, that doesn't mean that these people that we were wrong about can't provide some sort of value, especially at their current ADPs. That's why I want to bring I, this I up. Just, I, I just want to draw attention to something. What you're doing right now is yeah, going, yes, yes we're, we're right often, but also Schwebzy is wrong sometimes. I ju- the, one of them is someone that I was wrong about. <laughs> I, I am sh- shedding blame on both of us equally, just so we're, just so we're clear here. All right. Speaking of, we're just going to start with daggers the, and backs. We're just going to start with the one that you were wrong about. That's the only thing that's happening here. <laughs> is that okay? So the two people that I want to talk just about put the focus on that one. The two people that I want to talk about are Carter Kuboom, who's being drafted uh, right around five thirty four, and then Christian Walker at four seventy seven. Okay, so both of these guys had less than ideal years in twenty twenty one. They were they were not good seasons for either of them. Uh, Carter Keeboom put up like career lows and exit velocity. I mean, j- just ugly all around. He was still walking at a decent clip, but still not great. Schwebzy, you look like you're trying to say something. Th- that is like saying that I, I, I did not have an ideal year in TGFBI last year. That's true. You were really bad. <laughs> your team was, re- your, your team suffered a lot. I think I might have drafted Carter Keeboom. You, so you that did. might well, actually go again. That- <laughs> this was the person that you, that you chose to highlight last year in our corner infield that's, preview. That's- that's one of them. That's fair. I, I, I earned that. But again, finish. I also chose Christian Walker and I had him on my TGFBI squad. So I probably deserved we, we, not to we win. We practice what we preach here. We do. Yes, we do. We always get our guys, except for me this year with Alex Wood and TGFBI. Big rip. Um, but yeah, so Carter Keeboom, I'm going to start with. I, I did kind of make this pick just to rile Schwebzy up a little bit, which clearly worked. So <laughs> mission accomplished. Uh, but if I'm being honest, there's still value to be had with someone who's going to get playing time. And currently there is no one pressuring Carter Keyboom for that third base job in Washington. There's no one there. So while he had a really underwhelming year last year, he's going to get around 500 plate appearances by most projection systems. Uh, projections. Gosh, wow. What a great sentence that was. Uh, <laughs> so when you're looking at targets like this late in a draft, playing time is going to be 90% of the battle. Uh, around like 500 plus and Kiboom is due for a ton of it just compared to anyone else even remotely near that ADP. So I think there is some value to be found in there. Um, the exit velos are incredibly uninspiring. He does not hit the ball hard. Like there's nothing really interesting necessarily in his batted ball profile. The one thing I will note though, is that he did see an increased hard hit rate from 2020 to 2021, which is slightly encouraging at least. 
and his BABIP was 258, which is well below league average. I think he's due for a little bit of positive regression there. And he puts up a really, really decent walk rate, like I said before. So I think there's some value to be squeezed out of Kiboom. But this is really for like your incredibly, incredibly deep leagues. Like obviously not even like 15 team leagues unless you're rostering like 50 players deep or something like that. Um, I would say like 20 plus team leagues is kind of where you're looking at Kiboom. Just because he's going to get those reps. So something that I would like to point out is that the Nationals, the, the home of Carter Kiboom, yes. have recently, uh, back in December, signed Michael Franco. Maybe the single player that I was most wrong about in 2021 so it would be very uh fun for me and uh ironic if they just spent the entire year being bad back and forth and just kept on <laughs> handing that job back and forth to each other so i don't think that michael franco is actually going to steal that many at bats from Keyboom. i think that i mean franco signed a minor league deal and i think i mean there's a chance that he ends up as a bench bat but i think he's going to just be spelling uh Keyboom on occasion rather than fighting for the job with him uh that's just my assumption now. That could change very quickly, though. Uh, I don't think it's well, a, I don't think it's a bad call out on your part, Schwebs, because that's a very key signing for them in regards to yeah. their third base situation. Franco has a long history of absolutely demolishing the Mets, so I'm so tired of him winding up on NLE's teams. <laughs> but uh, keep that in mind, DFS and daily league players. When when uh, when the Nationals play the Mets, start Michael Franco. If you're looking for a cheap play, that's the man. Um, yeah, and then obviously I wanted to talk about Christian Walker too. Time to like pour some cold water on myself and not just Schwebzy. Um It's honestly pretty much the same story as Keyboom. I, I thought that he was going to be in a position to do really, really well last year. He did not whatsoever. Um, and he's very similar to Keyboom in a number of ways. He doesn't walk as much, but he does have a much better lineup spot. And he's going to be largely unchallenged for reps at first base because it's pretty much him and what Paven Smith in Arizona. And if one of them is playing first base, it's likely that the other is going to be DHing on any given day. Um, the nice thing about Walker is that they're probably still going to put him in a premier lineup spot, probably clean up after Dalton Varsho and Catal Marte hitting second. So those two will likely be on base a lot for him. So I think the RBI opportunity might be there once again. The thing I worry about is him scoring any runs because once you get past like the four slot of that lineup, it's pretty weak, pretty abysmal. So, um, yeah, I mean, that's pretty much it. I mean, I, I don't think that they're going to be anyone's first choice by any means, either uh, Walker or Keyboom, but I think it's worth noting that they are going to be getting a ton of playing time and that should be taken into account in your deep, deep leagues. Yeah, so I, I am also a former big fan of christian walker as he was huge for my nl only team back in i believe it was 2019 at this point mm -hmm. uh, so the the thing that i would worry about is if if he starts the season and falls on his face like i do worry that they might just start moving people around in an effort to just you know get any bat that plays at first base like you know seth beer paven smith uh jordan Lip liplow uh, Josh Van Meter, anyone like they they might just move people around just in an effort to get some kind of charge out of that position. Yeah, but you know that's if he hits, he's gonna keep playing. That's that's what it comes down to. That's all you can really hope for. Um, 
yeah, I'm definitely not going to chase super duper hard with either of them by any means. But again, if I find myself in, I don't, I don't personally play in any leagues quite that deep. So I'm going to steer clear of them personally, but I do know some folks out there have like 16, 18, 20 team leagues where they might still be viable. So keep an eye out there for sure. Um, beyond that, I think we just have mostly just a ton of honorable mentions, folks that we didn't d- dive deep on, we think are worth mentioning. Um, some folks that we've talked about before, some folks we haven't. Uh, Schwabzy, why don't you kick it off? Sure. Uh, I want to mention Patrick Wisdom here. Power. Big power. Gallo-esque last year uh, with, a, with a higher batting average that, than Gallo last year by hey, like 30 points. Not, not, a, not, a, not a tall task. Not, not, not a high bar, but a, <laughs> a, a bar nonetheless. He, he tiptoed over that bar, but he got over it. So the really, I wanted to bring up Wisdom for two reasons. One, the power. If you need home runs late in the draft, this is a great target, especially if you've you know built your team with a high batting average and uh, you can you can weather the that blow. Uh, not not a great OBP league guy because unlike Gallo, he does not have fantastic plate discipline. Uh, he he pairs Gallo's propensity to swing and miss with a, an ungallo like propensity to uh, also you know swing at balls out of the zone. So, uh, yeah, good for power, bad for most other things. But the reason I wanted to bring him up is because his obscene strikeout rate from last year, which was 40.8%, had me scouring some historical leaderboards. And if you take all of the seasons in history with 300 plus (laughs) plate appearances, Patrick Wisdom's 2021 was the second worst of all time first worst of all time give us that name and look i don't know if this is like an issue with fangraphs database or something but apparently candy nelson of the 1887 new york mets and new york giants <laughs> apparently had 315 plate appearances and struck out in half of them 50 percent I don't know how you strike out in exactly 50% of 315 plate appearances, but there it is. It's, it's, it's there on the leaderboards. And he, he actually also paired that strikeout rate with a 027 ISO. So, uh, yeah, a very, 19, a very 1887 uh, power swing with a very 2021 strikeout rate weird i feel like that's an error somewhere but it's just a weird thing when we when i was uh perusing those uh historical leaderboards candy nelson you said the name was candy nelson that's a good name I mean, that, that's a great name that is a real good name i like that a lot at, le- at least they have that going for them which is nice um yeah uh <laughs> patrick wisdom's k rate is just comically high it's so goofy and like you said i mean I th- I think that in average leagues, obviously, he's a better bet than he is in OBP leagues. He's probably going to hurt you a whole lot in OBP leagues. I would want to maybe steer clear from there because he didn't walk as much as someone like Gallo. Um, but that kind of power that late in the draft is so hard to come by. So if you have that batting average floor elsewhere, it's pr- it's pretty nice to be able to nab someone like that pretty late. The uh the the number five highest strikeout rate of all time in a three hundred plus plate appearance season is Bofa and Mofa 
Keon Broxton. Keon Broxton. I still remember that incredible catch he made. Gosh, who was that against? Oh, no. I can't remember it right now. I want to say it was against the Reds, but I can't remember off the top of my head. Anyways. But uh, for, for those of you who are new listeners and or not followers of Janice Scirio, it's it's Scirio, right? Correct, yes. Because I know her, her Twitter handle is longer. But uh, that Bofa is a Brewer's old friend alert. Correct, yes. And uh, Bofa is just my my bastardization of it to be a Mets old friends alert. Uh so moving on to the next player I've got here. Uh this is this is another rule of the podcast which uh this is a player that I'm contractually obligated to talk about at every opportunity. Uh the contract is made up and I wrote it, but still uh Yoshi Satsugo. Yoshi Satsugo was more aggressive when he moved to his third team of the year last year, which was uh, the Pittsburgh Pirates. And you may not have noticed it because it's the Pittsburgh Pirates, but he absolutely tore the cover off the ball down the stretch. He probably helped a lot of deep league teams to uh, fantasy championships with the way he hit in August and September. So Sutsugo was a call out of mine in you know March of last year, and then he scuffled for four months, making me feel very bad about that call, and then you know kind of gave gave me some vindication towards the end of the year. So, which Satsuko is the real thing? Kind of a question mark right now. He's being drafted at 361, which is kind of higher than I would have expected. People were very clearly paying attention to either his second half or our podcast, probably the former. <laughs> and, I mean, I, I was a fan. He's got power. He's got a great batting eye. Uh, literally, when I talked about him at Mar- uh, in, in March, I made the note, and that his batting eye was Trout-esque. Like, he was so good at laying off pitches out of the zone and, like, off of the edge that it it really, his plate discipline resembled Mike Trout when you got into the specifics. So, I'm a fan. I was a fan then. I'm a fan now. I, I'm willing to uh, die on this hill. Big fan of Yoshi Satsugo as, like, a corner infielder or or bench bat. Yeah, the end of his season was really encouraging. I, I'd I'd given up on him early in the season based off of his struggles, and I I know that at one point, if memory serves, when we were talking about why he was struggling, I think it was on an episode. Um, he was striking out a lot, but it was it always mm-hmm. felt like it was on a pitch that was like right on the edge, like borderline calls that maybe could have been it could have been it could have gone either way, really. Um, yeah, I mean it. It's it's the curse of yeah. the uh, the good plate discipline. You're going to strike out looking. Yeah, the passivity. But like you said, he got a little bit more aggressive near the end of the year, which caused him to see a little bit more success. So hopefully, he can carry over that um, that aggressiveness uh, into the new season once it does eventually begin. And so yeah, he uh, he had a strikeout rate of 31 percent with Tampa, yep, and then 38 percent with Los Angeles. And then Pittsburgh, it was down to 23. Which, small sample He's, sizes, but yes, encouraging. Yes, yes. I mean, so, for what it's worth, the Pittsburgh sample size was the largest of the three. Yep. I mean, it, it may just be that I have to mentally put Satsugo in the same bucket as Bobby Dalbeck, where, like, if the strikeout rate stays under control, he will be good. And if not, he will not be good. It, it, it may just be a simple binary thing like that. Beautiful. All right. Um, then you've also got Ha Seung Kim here. 
Yes. So I want to save anything, you know, I don't want to flesh this out until the middle infielder episode because, okay. uh, spoiler for that episode, deep middle infield sucks. It's not good. Um, it's really so bad. We are, we are going to need content and Haseon Kin is part of that <laughs> content. Uh, but I, I like him enough to mention him still. Uh, we're not going to talk too much about him, but, uh, he's a nice target because yeah, if I, I don't know if people remember at this point, but when he was coming over to the MLB, the tools were all anyone talked about big power, big speed. And those haven't gone away. Uh, the biggest question was how he would handle velocity. Now he's got another year of experience. So I, you know, I, I'm very much hoping that with the DH, uh, which in theory gives him more plate appearances, that, that, that stuff will play up. But we, we will talk more about him in a, in a week or two when we do middle infielders. Perfect. All right. Uh, we've also got Jose Miranda here for the Twins. Yeah. So one of the people we were talking to in Plaid prior to this episode was uh, for our, our former podcast manager and current Prospect Live prospect guru, Trevor. He's Booth. the second best podcast manager we've ever had. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That, and that's definitely not out of two. Um, <laughs> But uh, so he's he's a he's a prospect guy. He knows way more about minor leaguers than we do. So we asked him, we said to Trevor, uh, Jose Miranda, can you can you give us a blurb? Can you give us some insight into him? We're about to talk about him. And Trevor's uh, response. And this is a direct quote. He plays for the twins and his name is Jose Miranda. Sage, sage wisdom from Trevor Huth is always a very, very serious answer. That you can always expect I, I would, from Trevor Huth. I would like to give an incredibly heartfelt, damn it, Huth. <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, I actually don't want to tell you about Jose Miranda. I want to tell you his name, and I want you to look at his Fangraphs page. And I want you to have your jaw hit the floor like mine did, because great, like, uh, it's unreal. His His batting line from last year across two levels was obscene uh i've talked about juan yepes before on this pod and i have uh mentioned his you know pop-up power breakout all of a sudden and miranda did something similar where he basically hit as many home runs in 2021 as he had in the entirety of his minor league career before this past year but on top of that he also hit like 330 he was he was insane. He was he was so good this past year. The question is going to be the playing time. Yeah. As, as with a lot of young guys. So the Minnesota Twins are a little bit crowded at the moment, especially since last year they brought up Larnock, they brought up Kirilov, and uh Josh Donaldson continues to be a, an elite per plate appearance guy. So I I hate to use this as a positive but josh donaldson's uh hamstrings are made of tissue paper or his calves it's his calves are made of tissue paper yes. so really at at any moment a starting spot at third base could open up for a month or two miranda might uh should given his performance start on the opening day roster but it might just be at a, as a bench bat to start and an occasional dh but th- the bat was just unreal last year he deserves the chance to see what he can do in the majors. Hopefully he gets it. He's his ADP right now is at 447, 
which in, you know in a lot of leagues is basically free. So you know, keep an eye on that if you uh, want to take a chance on a high upside bat later on in the draft. Beautiful. All right, uh, I'm going to talk about one real quick. Evan Longoria, someone that we talked about a bit okay. last year. Like he was fantastic when he was actually healthy, right? Uh, the biggest thing was for him just staying on the field and being able to hit. And had I mean, Schwabzi and I talked about this a bit before the pod had a bit of a renaissance over the past two seasons. And was able to perform with the bat once again, like he was, like he was able to earlier in his career. So I think that uh, once again, someone that if he is able to stay healthy, will be able to contribute. Once again, here we are talking about a San Francisco Giant, big shocker, <laughs> but uh, we love Evan Longoria. And again, just like I said, with literally everyone else that's on the Giants daily leagues, it's going to be much easier to squeeze the value out of them than it is in weekly leagues. So just pay attention to those splits. And those pitcher matchups coming up. Um, uh, Schwabzi, the so next one we, that you we have, are nothing. We we are nothing if not on brand. The next one that you but, have down here. Yeah, so it's a bit of a touchy subject between us. I mean this this is actually a, a similar situation because uh, you know he's he's about a decade younger, but J D Davis also suffered through an injury plagued year that severely impacted his production. I believe. Uh, he dealt with hand injuries that at the end of the year required surgery that, you know, uh, LOL Mets doctors told him that might not require surgery. So he played through it. He suffered. And uh, now he has gotten his injury fixed in theory. And I am hoping for a return to form that saw him be one of the most underrated bats in baseball a couple years ago. Uh, that's that's honestly, that's all there is to that one. Uh Playing time is a bit of a concern. The Mets, the Mets have a crowded roster, but I do believe that if J.D. Davis shows any of the bat that he showed a couple of years ago, he's going to force his way into the lineup just because you, you, you can't hold down a bat that valuable. Yep, exactly. Um, also, I, I believe in a previous episode, I said that if I ever saw J.D. Davis play the field again, I would mail rob manfred a bag of poop <laughs> that uh, is true you did say that i ideally flaming um that that uh that wish has not changed from me although uh the the reason that i want to send that bag has changed since then this is true there's many reasons to set, send rob manfred a bag of poop at this point uh <laughs> god um yeah. Uh, gosh, who else do we have on this list here? We have a few more names. Let's look down here. Uh, you have Juan Yepes. Yeah, I mean, we we already touched on that. I've talked about him before. Yep. Uh, the the gist is, uh, he should have a uh. S- All right. I I don't want to completely ignore the fact that Paul DeYoung exists, but as, from a talent perspective i think yepes is the be- the better bat so he should have the inside track to that dh job i i, I want to believe uh, i'm also not a fan of de young because he's not a very good hitter and yet he turns into ted williams against the mets and it's infuriating he's another one of those guys like michael franco but i digress <laughs> yepes should have a, a good shot at dh plate appearances for the cardinals uh and if he does I believe you want him on your team. He's another guy that had a, like Miranda had a massive breakout of the minors. 
and uh, I'm very much interested to see if he can carry that over into the majors. Perfect. All right. And then let's see here. I have Mike Moustakis written down, and this is, again, tied to the DH as well. I don't know what Mike Moustakis is going to look like. He's had a down, his, I mean, his max or his average exit velos have been trending downwards for years at this point, but he's also been plagued by injuries the past few seasons. And I'm sure that's contributed to it as well. So I'm hoping that maybe with some, some more rest and being able to just like simply DH for the Reds that he will be able to actually perform at a higher level. So it, it may just be wishful thinking at this point, but also the fact that his ADP is currently at 356 tells me that some folks are still trying to buy in and hoping that there will be a bounce back of some sort of, or just some sort of a renaissance with Mike Moustakis. So fingers crossed for that. I think it would be really fun as someone who is also a Bofa. Uh, obviously I would love to see him succeed, just not against the Brewers. Um, but yeah. Uh, and then you also have uh, Tristan Casas here. Shwebzy. Yeah, I mean, this one is a little bit of a wait and see. If you have a lot of room on your bench, he's a good stash. I was talking uh, that this is this uh, this is a conversation I was able to have with Huth uh, without any, uh, you know, uh, we'll call it commentary from Huth. But (laughs) that's one way to put it. We're 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 a little conflicted on. Bobby Dalbeck and the uh, the roadblock that he presents for Casas. Don't don't don't, because, don't use this we language. I, I I know exactly what I think of Bobby Dalbeck. <laughs> I, I I Dalbeck is near and dear to my heart. I I very much hope he can keep the strikeout rate down. I hope he can, uh, and I believe that if he's hitting like he has in the past several times, where he's had several stretches where he was among the best hitters in baseball, if he can replicate a fraction of that. Even if Casas is doing well, I just don't see how you bench Dalbeck hitting that well. Um, but if Dalbeck does strike out 30% of the time and fall on his face, as he, again, has done several times in his career, uh, the door is wide open for Casas to you know uh, get in there and start seeing some major league pitching. Again, just a stash or, or a wait and see. You know, keep, keep him on your watch list. But Casas has... It, it, I think the second Dalbeck falters, Casas is in that lineup. Fair enough. And yeah, 547 for the ADP is a pretty good, easy price to pay. That's just a flyer at the end of drafts if you're drafting that deep anyways. So I can dig that. Um, I threw Luis Arias on here too, uh, just barely cresting that post 300 ADP at 305. This is someone, it's very simple. You know exactly what you're going to get with Luis Arias. He's going to give you some runs. He's going to give you a nice high batting average. And the best part about him is that he is not just third base eligible. He is also second base and outfield eligible. So that three position eligibility is just a nice versatile person that you can plug in anywhere when you have a need, whether it's you do just need to have that batting average propped up or an injury pops up and you need to have someone there to fill the gap in the meantime. Like he's just really nice to have on your roster uh, later in drafts, so I really like Luis Arias. Um, it's yeah, that's pretty much it. Pretty simple there. Um, uh, Schwabzy, good. Nick Prado is the next one you have on the list at five seventy two. I I feel like we've been doing a poor job, or, or I I specifically have been doing a poor job here of actually like uh, informing people of where these players play. Casas is a first baseman. Oh yeah, Yepes, Yepes. Uh, Fangrass has him listed as infield outfield. I believe he's destined he's destined for some corner somewhere. I'd like yes, either correct. first base or a corner outfield spot or DH. Uh Miranda, 
third base eligible. So uh, that's why that's why I mentioned the uh, Josh Donaldson calf injury mm-hmm. thing. Mm-hmm. But uh, I I think it's probably more likely that he winds up overtaking Sano at some point because of Sano's chronic injuries. Uh, sorry, chronic issues with putting the bat on the ball, which is kind of an important thing. But uh, yeah, so Nick Prado, also a first baseman uh, for the Kansas City Royals, big time prospect. He absolutely tore the cover off the ball this year. I, I mean, I, I think you're seeing a trend here. We like we like these guys who killed the ball in the high minors, and Prado is one of them. He had a 156 WRC plus in AAA, bit of a high strikeout rate. That makes me nervous when someone strikes out close to 30% of the time in the minors. I am concerned, but he paired that with a 375 ISO. That is high. Mm-hmm. That's really, really high. Uh, between double A AA and triple A, he combined for 36 home runs. Again, that's a lot. That's good. We love dingers. And he also had a, a, a close to a 17% walk rate in double A and then close to 14% in triple A. So, we might have a three true outcomes guy here. And I mean, hey, that, that plays in fantasy. We love that. So uh, keep an eye on Prado. Keep an eye on. Oh my God. Why am I blanking on his name? The former, former catcher now first baseman for, uh, for Kansas city. Why am I blanking uh, on his name? Oh God. <laughs> I don't remember either. It's so late. Trubsy. It's it's been so long since I've thought about him because I just never roster him anywhere. It's been eighty oh my years. <laughs> Unreal. Why am I so bad at this? Carlos Santana. Oh, there we go. That's it. Thank you. Uh, a roster resource actually has Santana on the bench and Hunter Dozier slotted in at first base, but I do think that uh, eventually we're going to see uh, we're going to see either Nick Prado this year or uh, Pasquantino further down the line take over that first base spot. But I think for this year, you don't really have to worry about uh, Vinny Pesquantino. Keep an eye on Prado, though. Beautiful. All right. Uh, the last one that I'm going to talk about here is Paven Smith. Uh, kind of tied into Christian Walker. He's the other person that could be playing first base there. Likely will be splitting the time slightly. And even if he doesn't, he's still able to play in the outfield as well. Or DH. Um, popular with some folks in the fantasy community simply due to the fact that he has that dual position eligibility, first base and outfield. Uh, that versatility late in drafts is really invaluable. So, um, yeah, Paven Smith, I like a decent amount at his 480p. He's like 399.95 or something like that is his average pick. So uh, happy to take him there uh, for someone that's going to get a decent amount of playing time and is dual position eligible. So, yeah. All right, Shrubs, the last one here with Lewin Diaz. So I, I have talked about players being basically free. Well, this is the freest player that... Uh, we are going to talk about today, and that is Lewin Diaz of the Miami Marlins. The roster spot is not certain. He is not currently pegged for a uh, a lineup spot or bench spot, but down the stretch last year, he hit eight home runs in only 128 plate appearances. Uh, I'm no mathematician, so I'm not going to try to extrapolate that out, but uh, that that equates to a lot of dingers, We and we like a lot of dingers. And uh, Le- Lewin Diaz has the added bonus for me personally of hitting a home run the day after I called him out as a power target on this podcast. So, uh, you know, I, I, I feel like he, he's earned my calling him out a couple more times by doing that. Thank you, Lewin Diaz, for, for help, helping me out that way. Uh, 
that that's one where you're going to need to keep an eye on the roster situation. Because uh, Garrett Cooper constantly injured, uh, we don't really know. Uh, I I think the, the the outfield is pretty much set, and Jesus Aguilar is back. So I don't think he's going to have an opportunity right away. But the second there's an injury or a trade, there I feel like there's always a Marlins trade midseason. Just keep an eye on when Lewin Diaz is going to get that opportunity, because I think as soon as he does get that opportunity again, he's he's going to do right by you in the power department. Yeah, because it's going to be in the outfield. It's going to be Cooper and then um, uh, Brian De La Cruz, and then oh my gosh, who am I forgetting? Jesus Sanchez. Thank you. Jesus Sanchez. Appreciate it. Um, uh, who who I love, but is being drafted too high for us to talk yes, about, unfortunately. But uh, yeah, uh, Lehman Diaz will be the and next one. Avisail. Oh, Avisail. Oh my gosh, I forgot about him too. Bofa. Gosh. Oh wow, I forgot that. So lots, lots of bofas today. Lots of bofas on the Marlins between him and Aguilar. Are two very, very good bofas. Um, all of these bofas. Um, both of these bofas. One thing that we forgot to do today, and I, I can't possibly sign off without having done this. We have a, we have a guest contribution of Nicholas Pollock's uh, middle name of the week. Oh, I forgot to do from, this. New pitcher list con- contributor, uh, Grant Washburn. Yes. Do you want? Do you want? Do you want? Would you like to do the honors? You may. You 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 remembered. I almost forgot. I don't. I I am throwing it to you because I have forgotten what it is. Nicholas. <laughs> sorry. Okay, I'm going to say it. It is Nicholas Hoy Poloy Pollock. The 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 true host of of in the deep over here is unfamiliar with taking cues from the the co-host so i'm not we'll, used we'll to being pass on that i'm one. not i'm not <laughs> used to being having i'm used to handing off not having things handed off to me that's fair we, we the, he is the quarterback of the podcast i am simply the interchangeable running back that's actually a fantastic uh <laughs> metaphor <laughs> i hand it off to you and you always you're the one that scores that's what it it's is. true uh, you, you you are the philip rivers to my lt Oh wow. God, that's that's horrible. I am so far from LT. I can't believe I just <laughs> said that. It's late. Let's end this. All right. On that note, thank you for joining us on another episode of In the Deep. We appreciate it. If you like the podcast, be sure to like, subscribe, leave a review on your podcast platform of choice. We would appreciate it. It helps us out a ton. Also, you can uh follow us on Twitter at our shared account. That's in the deep PL, or you can follow us individually at Schwebsy. That's S-H-W-E-B-S-I for Schwebsy or bunt singles for myself and we will see you next week for another round of positional previews schwebzy send them out bye friends